Our main text is Hebrews 6.15. And it says, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. And we've looked at this over the last few weeks. And I'm hoping that this scripture gives us a great deal of hope in our God. Because Abraham was not perfect in his walk of faith. And if he wasn't perfect, then it's probably very, very probable that it's okay if we aren't. Matter of fact, I don't know anybody who was perfect in their faith except for Jesus. There was nobody who walked it out perfectly. And so Abraham, having patiently waited, so part of our responsibility is to learn how to patiently wait, right? <laughs> except for we don't like that. Hopefully we're seeing that faith, our walking out of our faith, is a process, and process takes time. And, you know, God is not into microwaves, He's into process. Alright? Um, but Abraham, he left right away when God told him to. That's great. Didn't know where he was going, didn't know anything about that, but he left. And on the journey, uh, he lied twice about who his wife was, Sarah. Because she was so beautiful that they, he said, when we get there, tell them that you're my sister so they won't kill me. <laughs> Man, a great faith. Selfish, but great faith. <clears throat> um, but then he had to wait for the promised son. Because God told him that he would have a son. But in the process, he wasn't having any children. And then they decided that, well, they'll just help God. And that's usually what happens when we're waiting too, right? We decide that we're going to help God. And so they had Sarah talks him into having a son with her maidservant and Hagar. And we have Ishmael. Um, and then through all of this, we see that God is still working with Abraham. He hasn't written them off. He hasn't shunned them. He's still there. He doesn't demand perfection from them as he walked out his faith. And he doesn't from us as well. But he does want us to grow in our faith. And I think that's a struggle that we have in the church today is that we don't want to grow in our faith. And, you know, the reason that God wants us to grow in our faith is so that he can be awesome in our life which is great, but it's more because he wants us to be awesome in somebody else's life. He wants to be able to do the miraculous in somebody else's life through us, through our faith, through us trusting in him and walking with him. And then we know the story, as we've looked at it in the past few weeks, that God gave him a son, Isaac, through Sarah when she was 90 and he was 100. So it was a miraculous and the son of promise came uh, when it was impossible for them to conceive. Now, I believe that sometimes while we wait, it's because God is waiting for us to exhaust all of our efforts, all of our understanding, all of our options, all of our opportunities. He waits until it is impossible for us to fulfill his promise in our life. 
And then when we come to that place, then boom, he starts fulfilling it. And that's what faith is. My prayer is, is that I don't have to exhaust all of those things right away, that I can just go to him and trust him. And not try to help him, not try to uh, get him to do it in my timing. So he has Isaac, Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. And then there's a, the greatest test that came to him when God says, OK, now I want you to offer up your son, Isaac, the son of promise, your only son. Offer him up to me. Knowing that he's going to be the heir, but God's asking him. How many of y'all know that's a major test? But Abraham passed the test. Our daughter, Alicia, she is brilliant, had a 4.0, and she struggled taking tests. She would know the material and everything, but she struggled taking tests. But obviously, she figured something out. She's a nurse. She did well in, in college as well. She figured it out. She knew the material, but she would freeze when it came to taking the test. But again, obviously, she figured it out. And sometimes I wonder if that's the way we are with God. We freeze when it's test time and, and we get a little disjointed because we're not ready for it, or at least we don't think that we're ready for it. And I don't know that I have proof for this, but I think that this is true, that I don't think God tests us just to test us. He tests us because we're ready for it. He tests us because he's prepared us for it. When you look at the steps of Abraham, he had some little steps to come through. He had some little quizzes, little pop quizzes along the way. But as he went to that, then I consider him having to offer up Isaac a big test. I mean, this isn't leave your land test. This is major. But I believe that God prepared him. And I believe that when we face those tests, it's because God knows that we are prepared, that he has prepared us for it. Now, it may not seem like that to us all the time. We may even struggle taking the test, but I believe that God has prepared us for us. And it's paying attention to the little tests that prepare us for the big test. Because if you live long enough, the big test is going to come. And I believe that we can pass them if we stay true to the process, stay true to his word, stay true to the guidance that the Holy Spirit gives us, because you know, after all, the Holy Spirit is there to lead us and guide us, right? So what better way than when you're taking a test to rely on the Holy Spirit to give you insight as to how to pass the test? And then we have to stay true to godly counsel as well. But it's in the waiting when God is silent that we learn about his loving, faithful, merciful, gracious and all the other characteristics about him. As well as how wise he truly is. 
You know, we go into the waiting period. We go in and we usually go in frustrated because we're wondering, God, where are you? How come you're not moving? How come you're not answering this prayer? But then we find out how much wiser he is than us. And we've shared how the presence of silence, the need for us to wait, doesn't mean the absence of his presence at all. Because what I have found out is that God is not afraid of silence. (laughs) He's not afraid of the quietness like we are. And so that brings us to Psalm 46. The whole psalm is good, but we're going to jump to verse 10. Psalm 46, 10. We're going to read 10 and 11. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 11 is basically repeated several times in this psalm. But notice the beginning of verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. You know, I think it's in that waiting time, in that quiet time, in the... uh, time that starts off very frustrating to us and we don't understand all that God is doing, that it's in that time that we begin to find out who God is. We begin to find out his character and his nature. We begin to find out how wise he really is. But if we're not still, how are we going to know him? Because he tells us to be still. It's hard to still our minds, isn't it? It's hard to still mine anyways. I don't know about yours, but it is mine. And I I share with you before, I'm a planner, so I like to have all my ducks in a row. And, you know, God doesn't seem to care if I have all my ducks in a row at times. Matter of fact, I think he takes some and hides them. And I, I think that sometimes God has to make it to where we have those quiet times where we're still. A place that we don't like. Even in the word that carries here, it's being still. That's that place of safety that God has for us. But it doesn't feel safe right away. We have to go through the process. And it's in the stillness that we find out that he is God and we are not. <laughs> some of us need to get still some more, huh? All right, I'm going somewhere with all of this. Romans 8.28, we looked at this last week as well. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to read this in the Passion Translation. It says this. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together To fit into God's perfect plan. Of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Isn't that awesome? 
So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? We have to be convinced of this if we're going to win the battle of the little struggles that we have, of the little walks of faith that God calls us to. We've got to know this. We've got to know that uh, we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose in our lives. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Alright. Don't bring it up yet. But we're going to read this in the Passion Translation as well. And when I read this yesterday, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. So, and I we were sharing it with our son on the phone and I said, all right, you got to sit down before I read it though. So y'all are sitting down. All right, here we go. Philippians 1.6 in the Passion. I pray that, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began his glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what are we worried about? What are we complaining about? Do we believe this or not? Do we believe that God has everything prepared for us, that He has our life ready for us? He's got good things for us to walk in. Do we really believe that? We have to come to the place where we know that, where we believe this, but we know God is working in our lives. He's working in our circumstances, even when we don't understand them, even when it doesn't make sense to us, but it makes sense to him because he is fulfilling his desires and his purposes in us. And think about it. We all start from dysfunctional beginnings. In the natural realm, though, but not in the spiritual realm. In the natural realm, all of us are born into some sense of dysfunction. If you weren't born into it, you were raised in it. But that's in the natural realm, but it's not with God. And maybe your birth circumstances weren't ideal, but I can promise you, God was there. He was forming you. He was forming us. He was aware of what his plans were for each and every one of us. That we're not caught off guard. That we're not an accident. That we are his plan. And maybe you made it through your birth circumstances. And then maybe things haven't gone well for you as you were growing up. Maybe the abuse you received was so overwhelming, so hurtful, so painful. But we can know that God can turn it around for our good because he is faithful. You see, we have to know this in order to be able to look at our circumstances and trust him in them. They may not have been good. You may have had horrible things happen to you while you were growing up. But one thing is for sure. 
If you will trust God, if you will allow God, he will turn it around for our good. I don't know how he does it all. I think it's hard enough for him just to deal with me, but then he's got to deal with all of you too. So I don't, I don't know how he does it. But I'm certainly grateful that he does. Regardless of how our lives began or how they have progressed, may we come to the place where we know for sure that God is the creator of who we are that he has plans and purposes for our lives and that we can rest in that. He is the one who started us. Not your parents, not your egg and sperm donors, if you don't know them. That's not who started you. Who started you was God. He had you in mind first. And if he started us, we have to trust him to finish us. As well, And that's what those scriptures are talking about that we've read. And if we're born again, we are not our own because of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And here's the amazing thing. When you go to build something, you can go to an architect and you can, somebody has to tell them what's in their mind. Then the architect begins to put plans down and things like that. But then somebody has to build the house or build the building. And, you know, Sometimes the architect and the builder, they don't agree on things. The architect may want one thing and the builder says, no, we're going to do it this way. Or he's got something else in his mind, how things are going to be. But, you know, the amazing thing is with God, not only is he the architect, but he's the builder of our lives. Not only does he have in his mind what our lives are going to look like, and then he brings it, brings us into being, but then he starts building us. And he's building us with that in mind. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, please. I'm so grateful that all three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all agree on what they're doing in my life and in your life. I'm glad they're not arguing. No, I think we ought to do this with him. No, I don't like this in them. They're all in agreement and they're all working for the same thing and they're all working to build us up into being what God has called us to be. And we start fretting because we wonder when, when we face struggles and we encounter difficulties. We, you know, it's amazing how weak we are because then we start belly aching and crying to God, you know. And yet he's got it all in his hands. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm not going to read it in the ESV. I'm going to read it in the Passion. So here it is. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.7 in the Passion Translation. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of His grace and kindness which he showered upon us in Jesus Christ. Now, that alone is enough. That alone ought to make you happy. If you're going through struggles, that alone ought to be something to tell you, okay, I can take a seat. I can rest a little bit. I can take a deep breath. Everything's going to be all right. Let me read that to you again. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the invisible display of the infinite, limitless, Riches 
of His grace and kindness which He showered upon us in Jesus Christ. Verse 8, For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. Verse 9, So no one will be able to boast for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. And so, I don't know why it is that we come to Him in salvation and we receive it from Jesus Christ. And we know this truth, but somewhere down the line, the enemy tricks us and he thinks that we have to start doing all of these things, all of these good things to earn our salvation. Well, we already have it. It's not a matter of earning it. It's just a matter of walking in our destiny. The good that you do after you're born again, may it be because God is leading you to do that. He has placed it on your heart. He has made you to be sensitive to that, whatever it is. Verse 10. We have become His poetry a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One, even before we were born. Everybody say, even before we were born. So before you could do anything right, before you could do anything wrong, before you even had a thought come into your mind, even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny. And the good works that we would do to fulfill it. Whoo! Yes! You can give God a hand for that. So the problem is, is when God is silent, can we trust Him? Knowing that He has our very best in mind for us. When things are going bad, when things aren't going the way we wanted them to do, when He seems to be silent when we're patiently waiting for Him to fulfill His promise, do we believe these Scriptures? Do we rest on them? Do we see how He was working in Abraham and Sarah? Joseph, we've talked about him, Moses, David, Paul, John, Peter, all of them. Everybody that God has used, He has taken them through a process. And we can look back at them and we can know that we can trust God just as they did. Because God was faithful to them, He's going to be faithful to us as well. Jump down to verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 2. And, and let me, before I start reading it, think about this. God is the architect. But he's also the builder. He knows what he wants from us. He knows how he wants us to be. But he's also the one building us. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, and this is at the Passion Translation as well. Because I've read these in the ESV. You probably already know them. Because these are one of my favorites. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22 in the Passion. The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under His supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord Himself. 
Isn't that beautiful? And you say, God, what are you doing with my life? Doesn't seem to make sense. He, he's putting you into place. He's moving us into place. You know, I was watching the show, a show the other day, and it was talking about how they uh, chisel rocks, and they make them smooth and stuff. I didn't know you could do that with the chisel, but you can. I mean, you can get them straight. It's amazing. And then they had these ones where... Um, it's hard to describe, but they had like dimples in the rocks. And they did that for display. And then they showed how they did it. That's a lot of beating on those rocks. And yet God is working things in us. He's, he's moving us into, he's building us up. Verse 22. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the Holy of Holies. His dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So if God is the architect and the builder of our lives, and he is, then we need to trust him when we don't understand, when we have exhausted all of our wisdom and all of our efforts, all of our options, and we come to the place where the only thing left for us to do is to be still and let him be God in our lives. It's not a bad thing to be still. It's not a bad thing to let God be God in your life. It'll be a peaceful thing. It'll be one of the best things that you can do. And so in the quiet time, in the waiting May we remember these. May we know this. May we be certain of what He's going to do in us. May we erase the question marks. Because He's working. We open this morning with Psalm 139 in the ESV. So I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation if it's okay. Psalm 139. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. All right, that's just verse one. <laughs> okay, so what are you hiding? What are you not sure of? What questions do you have? Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. That means he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he still loves us. Verse 2. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. And you understand every thought before it enters my mind. Look to your neighbor and say, he knows me. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. And you're worried about the silence. You're worried about having to have to be still 
you're, you're worried about finding that place of rest and wondering, God, what am I going to do? Can I trust you? I'm, I'm thinking we can trust him. I love verse five. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And you thought you were just making it up. You thought you were just going. No, he's preparing the way for us. He's leading us and he's guiding us. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Hallelujah. Some of us have got God busy. Our past is, you know, I don't know. Again, I don't know how he does it all, but he does. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. I just love that. Because if we know that God knows everything about us and he cares for us, and he's the one who has made us, he's the architect, he's the builder, and he's working his plan in our lives, then we can trust him. Even when it seems as if he is quiet. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I run and hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. You can't get away from him. He's got you marked. He's got you covered. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. Isn't that nice to know? It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me for your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. This is like you can run but you can't hide because he can see it all. And you think, well, I'll just go to the darkness and then he comes and the light is there and it's like, no more darkness, sorry. Sorry. You know, you don't want to play hide and seek with God. There is so much, there is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You form my inmost being, my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. All right, look at your neighbor and say, whoo, you're breathtaking. All right, look at your neighbor again and say, no, I take that back. You're, uh, what's he say? Breathtaking, marvelously breathtaking. Mm. Let, me, let me read verse 14 again. I, th- I haven't finished it, but I thank you, God, 
for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in this secret place. Carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. He knows you. He knows all about you. He has a plan for our lives. And He's working it out. Our part is to agree with Him. Our part is to trust Him. To seek His ways for our lives. That's the best thing that can happen to us. Every single moment you are thinking of me. (laughs) And let me just put in parentheses here. Good thoughts too. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. Verse 23, God, I invite you, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift me, sift through all my anxious cares. We all have them, don't we? We're all anxious sometime in our life. Some more than others. I told you that my mom, she was a great anxious person. She loved to worry. She did it well. But we all have something that we're anxious about. We all have things that we don't understand and concern us. But we can allow him to come in and examine us and find out those things that are in us. To test us, to sift through us. Verse 24. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on. And lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back. To you. God is for us. And the best thing that we can do for our lives is to agree with him. Agree with his plans and his purposes for our lives. As we understand that we are his because he has lovingly created us and redeemed us. He's the architect. He's the builder. And when we're at rest, when we're in that secret place, when it seems to be silent, when we're patiently waiting, we can trust Him. We can trust Him to be working all things out for our good. We can trust that He will bring to completion what He has started in each and every one of us. When God is silent and I am forced to wait, I want to be still and know that He is God, that His presence is not absent. And I trust that you will 
join me in that endeavor. Stand with me, if you will, please. If you haven't figured it out, there's a fight going on in our nation, in our culture. And they don't believe Psalm 139. But thank God God does. And thank God that he wrote it. And you can put this into, put your name into any part of that and know that he's talking about us. He's talking about each and every one of us. I am so grateful that I don't know how to do everything, but he does. I don't have to know how to do everything. I don't know. I don't have to know how to build everything, how to fit everything in. He does. Though. You know, our landscaping out there, thanks to Debbie, it looks great. You should have seen it when she first got it. It was horrible. And she had a vision for it. And then she would ask me, is it okay if I do this? I'm like, you saw my vision. I, I choose yours. I choose God's vision for my life. And, and I trust that we will as well. All of us will. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. Thank you for being our creator. Thank you that before we were even conceived, we were in your mind. And Father, not only are you the architect of our life, but you're the builder of our, of our life and you're moving us all together. You're working us all together, in together, to become the dwelling place for your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that it would be so true in each and every one of our lives. That Father, especially in the quiet time when, the, when we're patiently waiting and and it seems that you're silent. May that be the time that we choose to be still because that's what you've designed it to be. We choose to be still and know that you are God. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. All right, go be still. Have a great week.